This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 108 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and Gaz is with me. How are you doing mate? Are you well? I am. I am well. Um, I, I could do with breaking up for Christmas, to be honest, because obviously my dad's retired, so he's broken up for Christmas. Uh, Mo broke up for Christmas. Fee did two days ago, and we're all going to be walking the dog on the beach, um, and I'm the one that's still got to work. So I'm like you. I don't feel Christmassy at the minute. Yeah, I'd, I'm really not feeling it. Like I started watching Home Alone last night. That is always the film that is guaranteed to put me in a Christmas mood, and then I just... I, I, stopped it after about 20 minutes so I, I can't be asked for this tonight so i think i'm going to try and finish watching it again tonight because I, I do love that film but um yeah, yeah. so uh, do you know just just interesting well i say interesting i mean yeah stacy west podcast interesting yeah. i looked at the uh, uk top 40 earlier for an article that i was writing for my uh, page job and do you know what's number one at the moment in the uk is it all i want for christmas is you Yes. How did you know that? Because you, I saw, are you a UK top forty chart chaser? Yeah, mate. I'm all about them tunes. Um, no, I saw something the other day that, uh, that that said that Mariah finally gets her number one. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, that's good. You, I, I don't read real stuff, so. <laughs> and do you know what song kept that off the number one spot originally in 1994? uh mr blobby no it was stay another day by east 17 oh there's a tune there's a tune no right i was actually looking and i'm gonna this isn't research so people can hear um the clicking of the keyboard in fact i even pressed it hard so that you could definitely hear it but do you know what else is in the top 10 at the moment no right Number one, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. Number two, Last Christmas by Wham. Number four, Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues and Kirsty McCall. Number six, Merry Everyone, Shaking Stevens. Number seven, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas by Michael Bubble. Number eight, Do They Know It's Christmas, Band-Aid. Number ten, Step into Christmas, Elton John. 
think it's Christmas time, isn't it? And yet, numbers three and nine are Ariana Grande. Isn't that a coffee? I don't know. I don't drink coffee. (laughs) And number five is Sweet Melody by Little Mix, and that's what I used to pinch from Woolworths. (laughs) So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's the... You can tell that, that we are both in our 30s and 40s when we're confusing pop stars for coffee and girl groups for sweets. We're doing it for comedy effect though, aren't they? Because one, you knew Little Mix was a girl group. Uh, yes. And two, on the website I was looking at, there's a picture of Ariana Grande uh, on there. And she's the one with the long hair that had the gig at Manchester. So yeah, yes. we're pretending to be uncool when in actual <laughs> fact, you know, we don't need to. We just are. Um, but we we do actually we do actually know so anyway so there you are pop pickers that's your number one in the UK <laughs> Bruno Brooks now I am showing my age but it's better than talking about football this week isn't it? yeah absolutely I mean it was it was one of those where we we looked at the looked at the podcast and well I looked at the day I thought oh it's Thursday oh shit it's Thursday we're going to talk about oh great but um, yeah not been the best of weeks has it um. We'll, we'll we'll go over Sunderland. I mean, as as worthy as it is, I think it's it's getting to the point where the recaps are sort of they're going over a bit of you know bit of history at this point. But it it was just a bit of a disappointing match. Um, I think the the game. I say the game turned. It didn't really. You know, we we didn't really look like we were putting too much of a threat up outside of uh, Brennan's two chances quite early on. Um, then up the other end, and yeah, you know, it was. Um, I, I mean, I, I still don't think it was a penalty. Um, but you know, he was given. It's easy to say to say that that could have, you know, that would have turned the game, and that's why we lost. But ultimately, we went on to concede three more, and it was just, yeah, it was just poor, wasn't it? No, nothing was really clicking. Um, and yeah, any. And have you got any further thoughts on it, really? No, not really. I mean, I did my um, preview video on it and kind of made my thoughts quite clear. We have these blips. You know, I got Mm. myself into a bit of hot water with some Sunderland um, types uh, because, you know, kind of said, look, look, they've got four million world, Greg, or apparently didn't cost four million. It was four million with add-ons and he hasn't add-ons uh one million charlie white which apparently it wasn't one million like the papers reported it was only two hundred and fifty thousand, um and we're still above them which they took as me saying we're still above you um when it wasn't i was basically saying we're actually above a team that have won you know the fa cup have competed in the premier league have done this that and the other get thirty thousand, and here we are lincoln city still above them so you've got to have some context mm. um but yeah it's We've, we've lost four games at home now, and that's the same as Burton, who were bottom. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's more than Rochdale, Wimbledon, Blackpool, Crew, Fleetwood, Sunderland. Do you know what I mean? Loads and loads of teams in the middle of the pack. So is it cause for concern? Well, you know, we'll talk about Tuesday. Um, I don't think it's cause for concern in the long term. Uh, I, I'm not one of these people that say you have to win your home games and, and lose your away game, uh, draw your away games. You know, you, you win games and you draw games and that's what gets you points. Um, you have to really take six points from every four games. If you take two point two, if you take two wins from every four games, um, you take two points, basically average a game, uh, give or take. So, you know, I think if we take six points now from the next two, 
will not be too far away from from where we probably wanted to be coming out of Boxing Day. Um, no mm. pressure, of course, on the Northampton and the Burton matches. It's not ideal, but when you look at around us, we've lost two games at home, conceding five goals, and we're still fourth in the table. And a win on Saturday uh, and the results going for us could still leave us top at Christmas. So, yeah, we've been in worse positions. Oh, absolutely, and I, I think that's the that's the key thing is that you, the the results over the weekend um, it they probably fell about as favourably as they could have done for us, you know, outside of our own fate. Um, it, it was a it was a really interesting thing watching you know some of the scores come in because on one hand you'll get the pessimists going oh well you know if we'd have won that then we would have done that so well yeah but we we didn't we're where we are so you know we need to just crack on and and see you know keep hoping that we can uh, keep this pace up and I, I think the interesting thing for me was when um, uh, when Michael was on the, uh, the 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 highlight show the other night and he was talking about you know the the, the squad depth and you know the fact that he at the moment simply doesn't have a huge amount of squad depth in terms of you know fully fit players um it was uh, it, it was a bit of an eye opener because obviously that's not something that um and I don't say doesn't make it public but you know it, it's not something that's being used as a crutch or something like that at the minute so um it's yeah i, I obviously you know the games were disappointing uh, the results were disappointing um but I don't think there's too much to worry about. And ultimately, you know, Michael even said himself, we're probably about a year ahead of where he wanted to be or where he thought we'd be um, in terms of, you know, the club as a, you know, in, in, in terms of possession, uh, yeah, progression, sorry. So it's, uh, there's no warning bells going off in my head. You know, I think we're, we're doing all right. And, you know, if you'd have said to me, oh, you'll be in the playoffs or around the playoff positions at Christmas, I would have absolutely snapped your hand off. It's, um, yeah, promising. It's it's still quite promising, but obviously, you know, the performance uh, against uh, Sunderland and Shrewsbury, maybe not so much. So, should we move on to Shrewsbury? Still, oh, yeah, I just say uh, I hate being spanked and it made me miserable. I was that Saturday. I was miserable as hell. And mm. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. you know, if you'd said to me in 2016 17, oh, Sunderland will beat you 4-0 at home, you'll be miserable. I'd say, I'd say Jesus, we'll be playing Sunderland. Yeah. So, you know, and, and you know, we would I keep saying, you know, as if I'm a footballer, um, but <laughs> we were talking, we were talking on the pod the, uh, the other day about um, Sunderland and how we shouldn't, you know, they're in this, they're in our division, we're in this division, we are level with each other, there shouldn't be any delu- any feelings that they're superior to us. But it really is hard not to have when they bring Will Grigg on, who didn't cost them four million. Um, don't <laughs> say that, Jesus. Uh, well, uh, you'll have a podcaster on your case uh, wanting you to highlight all the positives about you. Um, I mean, I've but, seen know. that documentary. The, the guy basically panicked and threw four million at him. That's what happened. Are you trying I to tell me what? that Netflix would, you know, Netflix were forming a narrative around something for a dramatic effect? I, I, I didn't watch the second series of it, actually. And it's I, really it good. wasn't because, yeah, I just, you know what, I've just got better things to do. It is an absolute pantomime. You should watch it. It's brilliant. Yeah, I never liked the pantomime either when I was a kid. Was never. Oh yes, you did. <laughs> oh, hey, it's Christmas. <laughs> Fucking hell, widow twanky. Carry on then. Go into a segue. <laughs> Go on. 
Oh dear. So yeah, Shrewsbury. Um, I, was, I, was, I thought you were going to try and cleverly link to Shrewsbury, but no, we'll just go at well, it. With I, all I the... did initially, and then you know you you dragged it away. Okay, it's my fault. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was it. It felt it felt a little bit turgid on Tuesday. There wasn't there wasn't the pace. There wasn't the the endeavour. And I'm not saying that you know. It, it, it was due to entirely, you know, the, just uh, our players, but Shrewsbury kind of came and did a job. You know, they're fairly notorious at this point for being a, a difficult to break down. Um, and it sort of felt a little bit like the Wigan game, you know, when obviously they you know, were soaking up what we had to throw at them, which admittedly wasn't a huge amount. And then, got that sort of breakaway goal and admittedly you know this was a a breakaway goal that was helped along by Lewis Monsmer quite a bit um and it was the first time uh, I think on you know on the highlight show um Colin Murray said to to Michael that he is human you know we've not seen it but oh we guess he is human so um yeah it was you know it was a mistake um but uh they managed to snatch the goal and then ultimately just soaked up what we could throw them at that point, uh, throw at them at that point. Sorry, um, and I think there was there was a moment on Tuesday night when I, I just got so frustrated because, and it's some it's something that you're probably going to pick me up on, and you know we'll probably disagree on it, but there was a point where I was just sat there and I, I started I just shouted at my TV and I said, "Why? Why is Tom Hopper moving out onto the left wing? You know, he's a centre forward. Why is he drifting out there when we've got players that do play out there and that are playing out there? It just seemed like there was a little bit of a lack of discipline in terms of the formation, unless that's what Michael said to do. Um, and okay, I'll stop you there and then we can talk about this bit because I've got some notes on this. Okay. So it's very interesting because I too was incredibly frustrated and wanted to know why Tom Hopper was having to drift out to the left. Let me ask you, in terms of successful crosses from the left-hand side, how many do you think we put in on Tuesday? Um, I'll give you a clue. It's is it, none. I was going to say, is it none? <laughs> it's none. Anthony Scully put one successful cross in, and that was from the right-hand side from a short corner where he blasted it into Tom Hopper, I think it was, and it hit Tom or James hit Jones and went, went out, out for yeah, a goal yeah. kick. Yeah. So how much, uh, if you, because I, I I really wanted to study Shrewsbury because I was a little bit like you. Know, I came away feeling that was crap, and I thought, actually, Joe, I, I owe it to the Stacey West listeners to actually go away, look at the numbers, come back tell them about numbers and then have them call me some sort of statistician nerd. I know Jack loves his shout outs. <laughs> so I'll go into XG expected goals. People know what it is. You either love it or you hate it. It's like Marmite. Shrewsbury's XG was 0.47. So in actual fact, they were fortunate to score their goal. We know that because we gave them the goal. So we know that their XG was that. Our XG was 0.87. So on the balance of probabilities, on on um, actual chances, we should have won that game by one goal to nil. Give or take. But it should have been one nil. So I then had a look. Uh, I love it. I didn't know I could do this. I'm going to bore the tits off you all for months now. But I can <laughs> drill in and see whereabouts in terms of either left, right or centre, the XG comes from. So I can see where the quality of chances are being created from. I actually did this because I was looking into Teo Eden, that I'm sure I'll touch on in a little while. 
mm-hmm. how much of our XG, how many of our chances, half chances, any chance whatsoever, came from the attacking left? Well, you've already said it was none. No, oh, no, that was crosses. That was successful Sorry. crosses, yes. I'd probably say a few, because there was a few really good passes from Teo in the second half. No, it's none. Um, oh. It's none whatsoever. Uh, 62% of our XG came from the right-hand side, uh, and the remaining uh, 38% came through the centre. Um, so not a single one of our uh, XG or not a single one of our supposed chances, according to the statisticians, came from the left-hand side. I don't see that as a slight on Teo. I'll tell you why in a minute. I actually see it as a slight on Anthony Scully okay. because he's not a left-winger. And no. that's why Tom Hopper fans himself out wide on the left. Now, maybe that's the approach. Maybe the approach is, well, we play Tom through the centre, Anthony on the left, and they swap over and they interchange. In my opinion, not going to work because Anthony Scully is not a player who's going to arise like a salmon above a six foot four inch Aaron mm. Pierre or whoever and put the ball in the net. We have no, when crosses are coming in, they're to feet. We have no aerial, in my opinion, again, and I'm happy to be shot down, we have no aerial presence in the area um, when we are attacking. We don't. Mm. I haven't seen us win a header from a corner in weeks. The goal that Lewis Monsma scored against Swindon was a it was a flap from the goalkeeper, but it wouldn't have been a header. Our only chance on, chance on target came from a corner, granted in the first half, but mm. it was stabbed from the floor at goal. So that's a roundabout way of me saying that's why Tom Hopper comes out wide on the left because we didn't have a natural a natural left winger. I'm sure it was tactical. I'm sure it might have been injury related. I'm sure that there'll be people out there who will say that Zach Elbazetti should have been given his chance. Again, I'm not so sure. Zach Elbazetti's game is all about speed. But when you've got two banks of four behind the ball, where do the speedsters go? Mm. They don't. They just run into two white shirts or they run into touchline and give away a goal kick. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair enough point. I mean, um, we'll, we'll talk about Teo because um, I think... You know, I, I sort of, I saw quite a bit of criticism about, you know, uh, for Teo on Tuesday night. Now, Saturday wasn't Teo's best game. I'm pretty sure that even he would admit that, you know, he, it wasn't, he didn't shower himself in glory on on Saturday. But on Tuesday, I thought he was actually, you know, he seemed to be all right. He, he was putting in some, you know, some decent challenges and he made some good, um, made some really nice passes as well. And I was, I was really disappointed to see people picking up and saying, oh, you know, it's, he, he's, you know, he's been poor and all the rest of it. I just thought, well, what, why, why pick, you know, why are people picking on, on Teo? And it was, I, I think people probably potentially looking for a scapegoat and I'm sure, that, but you know you're probably going to come back and say, oh, well, actually the stats back him up. But I thought he he seemed all right. I'm going to say the opposite. Oh, uh, there we go. The stats don't back people up. Um, people don't back people up because at the uh, at this moment in time, as we're recording, uh, he was rated as our fifth best player uh, by uh, Stacey West viewers. Um, there we go. Remy Howarth on 6.4, Anthony Scully and Joe Walsh on 6, which is really interesting, and I'll tell you why. George Grant on 5.8, and then Teo level with James Jones and Alex Palmer on 5.7. Not fantastic scores, um, but certainly better than Brennan Johnson on 5.1, Tom Hopper 5.3, TJ Oma 5.6. Proves actually that fans know 
or fans see, I was going to say fans know very little, but I, I'm not um, that arrogant, uh, <laughs> that fans see something different to what the numbers suggest. And again, I'll touch on why in a minute. I looked at AO's, uh, AO. <laughs> I, looked yeah. at, uh, I looked at Teo's, uh, where he was passing the ball to. And I looked at um, number of passes between players, so passing relationships. And the most common pass that was played on Tuesday night was Joe Walsh to Teo Eden. OK, so I, I, I haven't got the numbers written down because otherwise I'd just have uh, a, a notepad that looked like a maths worksheet. Uh, <laughs> but it was something like uh, on 20 occasions, let's say Joe Walsh played the ball to Teo Eden. Now, last season, the return ball was almost as popular. So we would go from centre back to left back. Then we'd go from left back to centre back. Now, and again, I'm not slighting Harry Toffler. I don't want you to cry. Um, but what I'm saying is that. <laughs> When we were playing out from the back in that way, it was a playing out from the back, in my opinion, with a lack of intent. Now, bear in mind, we're talking about a 1-0 defeat against a hugely defensive team that had 28% possession. That's what Shrewsbury had, 28%. I'm not saying that that's an indication that we dominated the game. I'm saying it's an indication of exactly what their game plan was before their goal as well as after it. Mm -hmm. Now, Teo, then if you look down the next, I think it's the next seven or eight relationships, passing relationships, Teo is involved in four or five of them, be it to James Jones, be it to Anthony Scully, be it to Remy Howarth, He's, so he's getting the ball getting and he's forward. then passing the ball and he's got a different range of passing. It's not predictable. You haven't just got Teo going to the left. And when you think about what I spoke about a minute ago about our la- about Anthony Scully, we didn't have that out and out left sided attacker for me hugging the touchline. Maybe that was tactical. Maybe because we thought that, that Shrewsbury would be compact. Um, that was we, we went with somebody that could unpick that. I personally, uh, I'm not a football manager, but you would think that. If somebody's compact, get width and stretch mm. it. But we don't know about fitness. It wouldn't have suited the speedy players. So it probably wouldn't have suited Harry Anderson. Probably wouldn't have suited Zach Elbazetti. Theo Archibald is injured, who's probably got a little bit more guile and technique. So it might have been more kind of necessity than anything. Um, but interesting that I thought that in actual fact, the stats suggest that in terms of positive passing moves, and Teo was 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 a very strong player for us. Also, really interesting. And again, I use those terms loosely, um, but really interesting. Neither side had what was classed as an counter attack on Saturday, uh, on Tuesday rather. And it's the mm. first time in a game, I think, this season that there hasn't been a counter attack, which tells you exactly what Shrewsbury's intention was before they scored the goal and after. Sit mm. tight, sit tight. We didn't let ourselves get hit on the counter. But we couldn't counter them either because they didn't actually have that many spells of attacking um, intent. The game had nil-nil written all over it unless you hand it to them. And unfortunately, as soon as the goal went in, uh, I texted my dad and said, one-nil, that's it. And yeah. last year we played Shrewsbury and at half time it was nil-nil and I put 20 quid on it finishing nil-nil and won. Mm. Yeah, it was one of those games where, you, like you said, as soon as... I think probably about ten minutes into the second half, I just said to Rach, "We're not going. To, we're not going to score. We we could play forever and not score against these." It was they they did that. You know, they they came and did a job. They knew what they needed to do. Um, and like you said, unfortunately, we handed them the goal, and ultimately we 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 couldn't get anything back. And I mean, is it? And I'm I'm trying to piece together where it you know where it potentially seems to be going 
a little bit awry at the moment. And the only thing that I can keep coming back to is that we've not got anybody in that holding role that that allows George Grant to free himself up and, and do what George Grant does. Um, he's kind of playing the the Conor McGrandles role, you know, the, the Liam Bridcut role, and he's sitting in the in the midfield trying to do everything at the moment. Whereas what he needs is somebody behind him that can, you know, do the dirty work or do the work, you know, in terms of marshalling the defence and, and getting everything up, and then get the ball to him to allow him to be a bit more creatively free. Um, and I'm I think that's that's the thing I think that's missing at the moment. I mean, is there, you know, would you agree with that or? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, we're certainly missing Liam Bridcock, without a doubt, because he combines Conor McGrandles and George Grant when he plays in the sixth role mm. in that he covers um, plenty of ground, but he's also got that exquisite turn of pass. Um, I would love to have seen Grant on the left for this game, and I think it depends on the opposition as to how, where I think Grant should play, and I figured that out because every week I think it should, should be somewhere different. Um, <laughs> and, you know... I, he can play the six and you know more power to him that he can play the six because probably James Jones isn't a six. Remy Howarth certainly isn't a six. Um, and I, some people say a six is a centre-back. I, I a four and five as your centre-back, six as your holding midfield. I might be wrong if I am. Send your complaints to Win Stano on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I basically, I, I, it's tough. It's tough because I wonder if Robbie Gotts, might be able to play there but probably because he got uh, he got really he struggled against Sunderland we talked about Teo a lot of people had a bad game against Sunderland mm. um, and I thought Robbie was one you know he got his start in the middle of the park he thought here we go he's, you know, he's, this is where he wants to play um, and, and he kind of didn't flop he was just poor so I think it's necessity that Grant's playing in that six and yes you're quite right to a degree we we lose um, some of his kind of forward thinkingness. I seem to remember a moment in the second half. I can't remember whose chance it was, but it all started because Grant was able to find the big long rake in left to right. And that was the key to unlocking Shrewsbury. It was stretching. And I think that's partly why I got frustrated with the left-hand side because we kept coming, we kept looking to come off the byline and run mm-hmm. into the channels. And it was just, you know, we would, we, we're quite good. There's a move that we do. That I'm sure we've worked on the training ground where it kind of comes into the left and it'll come into a player with his back to goal, probably penalty spot level with the post, if you, if you can imagine that position. Um, and I, I seem to think we've, we've turned and scored from there. Tom Hopper might have done that against somebody. I can't remember which goal it was. But we've used that approach quite a few times. And yet somehow you know, it just didn't look like it was going to work on Tuesday. But I think in terms of, you know, you said, oh, I can't work out where things are going wrong. And that Rob Mapey said in commentary, you know, what's going wrong for Lincoln at the minute? Nothing. That's the point. Um, it's not going wrong. It's a game of football where we did, if we did what we did against Shrewsbury, against Wigan, we win 2-1. We proved that because we did exactly the same. And the things that are going wrong in inverted commas are just injuries. We're just mm-hmm. absolutely decimated by injuries. You know, no Adam Jackson, massive. Mm-hmm. No Conor McGrandles, obviously no Liam Bridcott, both massive by your admission got mm. no Callum Morton so even if if Tom is struggling which people suggest some weeks he is some weeks he isn't you know, we don't have that option Jamie Saul you know people don't mention him in our injury crisis but Jamie Saul would have been something different which we don't have so we you know, we, we are dropping like flies now and just to go back as well I mean I said there about Tom Hopper he's if you take Harry Anderson out who who came on as a sub 
um, there's four players that are the worst four players according to fans who were voting on Stacey West, you know, putting their ratings in. The worst four players on the pitch were Tom Hopper, Brennan Johnson, TJ Ioma, and Lewis Monsma. What's mm-hmm. really interesting is, do you know the three players that lost the ball the fewest amount of times? And by lost the ball, that stray passes, being tackled, running out, clearing the ball out. The player, the three players that lost the ball the fewest amount of times. Um, I would probably say TJ Ioma, Tom Hopper, and maybe Lewis Monsma. TJ Ioma, Brennan Johnson, Lewis Monsma. Right, okay. Lewis Monsma lost the ball three times on um, Tuesday night, one of them in his own half, and Shrewsbury scored from it. Now, our highest rated players on um, the Stacey West are Joe Walsh on six, Anthony Scully on six, uh, and then George Grant on 5.8, with James Jones, Teo Eden on 5.7. Which three players do you think lost the ball the most amount of times on Tuesday? Um, I'll give you a hint. It's three of those players. <laughs> okay. It's Joe Walsh, who lost the ball 13 times. 13 hmm. times. Now, that's 10 more than Lewis. What I will concede is that uh, a loss is counted as if he comes and puts a big boot under it from a corner and it goes to an opposition player, it's classed as a loss. Okay, so um, mm. you know, it may be a little hard, harsh to compare 13 to 3, but you know, I don't think there was 10 clearances difference between him and Lewis. No. James Jones was next up, who I actually, I thought James struggled. James Jones struggled. And bear in mind, he'd been injured for, was it the Sunderland game he missed out on? I can't recall. Uh, uh, was it the week before? It was the midweek game, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it was Tuesday, I think. He'd been carrying a knock, and I do wonder if if we had fit Liam Bridcuts and Conor McGrandles, James Jones might have been given a rest. Uh, mm. And Anthony Scully. And I'd, I'd be on, I'm not down on, on, on Anthony Scully. I still don't quite know what his best position is. And mm. I was... I'm, I'm surprised that he is uh, rated as our second best player on Tuesday night. And I was absolutely shocked that the radio gave him um, man of the match because I think several players have taught us in history that you can be busy and ineffective. And he's had some good games for us, so I'm not just Scully bashing, um, but I, I genuinely don't think he offered very much at all on Tuesday. No, it was... It, it... <laughs> When you when you pointed out about the, you know the left hand side you you start to start to go back over it and I was thinking you know what actually that there wasn't a huge amount in terms of the creativity down there that we do see down the right when you've got the likes of you know when when Harry's on the field but um, yeah I, I think it's probably that he's still you know, there are still elements of of settling in um, I think you know obviously he's, we've said before that. His energy, his endeavour, um, he's he's a very excitable player, um, you know, an, an exciting player as well to watch. Um, but I think, like you say, I think finding his position at the moment is is probably the the important thing to do. Um, and it's it's obviously not helped with the injury situation. And I know that sounds a little bit like we're we're sort of almost hand waving it away and going, oh, he'll be fine. It's just injuries, you know. Like, but yeah, we we don't know what goes on excuse me, on the training ground. We obviously don't know, you know, what what, what drills people are being put through. So, it, you know, it sounds like Michael's 
got them working on finishing a bit more as well. Um, but when you've, you know, when you when you have 15 outfield players um, fit, then you're you're sort of a bit hamstrung with the decisions that you can make, aren't you? Yeah, and also again, let's not forget um, Shrewsbury beat Hull mm-hmm. on uh, the, the 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 game before, so you they know how to defend a lead. They know how to get themselves into a position. I, I pointed out, I, I think, and you, you know me, I'm never one to blow my own trumpet, but anyone wants to listen back and listen to the EFL trophy um, analysis, I actually said they're not that bad. Shrewsbury have lost six mm. games this season in the league. We've lost five. Um, the difference is Shrewsbury drew eight, and mm. I think we've drawn two. So there's your differential for if they converted a couple of those defeats into wins. If they had had the same attacking intent that we've had um, mm. in some of our games, they they wouldn't. They're not actually a million miles away from where we are. You know, when you look down that kind of um, that loss column, I mean, five draws at home and three defeats, and we've mm. had five wins at home and four defeats. So you know, we just know how to win home games, and that's given us. Let's see. I mean, they would have five points with our fifteen. There's ten points difference. You stick ten points on Shrewsbury, they're twenty-seven, which would be five behind us. So sometimes the league can be misleading. Um, I don't think there's anybody in this division who are whipping boys like last year. Um, but certainly the next two games that we have coming up are ones that, you know, if we are to show the character um, that that we think we have as fans, mm. you have to be picking up. Well, really, you have to be picking up six points, but a draw on Saturday and a win against Burton would would be acceptable in a two-game block if you write the last two games off. We still have a game in hand. If we were to win that game in hand, we would still be second, assuming that Hull win their game in hand. So, you know, nothing's won or lost at this stage. And it doesn't doesn't matter if you're fourth, you're 10th or you're 24th right now. It's where you are in May that counts. Um, Mm. But I don't think we're doing things badly i was very upset after tuesday night because i don't like to see lincoln lose um, mm. and i don't like to see us you know to, the second half shot by because it was just so frustrating you know shrewsbury were time wasting within five minutes of the restart and yeah. so they should you know i'm not someone that's, i'm not going to come on and bash on here if we did that if we went away if we were 21st and went away to a team who were were second and got a goal and then defended stoically, we would be applauding them. And to be mm. fair to Shrewsbury fans, yes, they said we should have had two penalties. We should. Yet here we are. I don't know how long we've been talking about this. We haven't mentioned the referee. And there's mm. a reason for that um, because he was he was very, very poor. And another referee sends off at least one Shrewsbury player and gives us at least two penalties. Yeah. But you and I, I think, are mature enough to know that actually you know, we didn't lose that game because of the referee. I think I wrote we didn't win it because of the referee but yes. we didn't lose it because of him and, and if you think that sounds silly tough that's what you get on the Stacey West <laughs> no you're absolutely right it was um it, I, th- I think it was uh it was a disappointing performance from you know from the referee it wasn't it wasn't one of those games where you think oh if we'd have only just had that decision you know we would have gone on to win it it was like we've said, I think it was a game that we could probably still be playing and still not have gotten anything from that game, despite having all the possession in the world. Um, yeah. Although, just to, to correct you there, had he given us the penalty and we scored it and we go 1-0, we win the game. Because Shrewsbury don't break us down either. That's the point. I said it on Match Day Live beforehand. It was always going to be a one-goal game. That was what it was always going to be. Um mm. 
And I, I personally, I think Saturday uh, will be exactly the same. It will be a one-goal game. Fair enough. Well, um, before we before we move on to our preview, um, what did you what did we make of uh, of, of Remy Howarth? Um, I thought he, he he seemed to you know be putting himself about in the right way. Um, I thought he was possibly a little bit unlucky as well um, to to maybe not have something more out of the game. Um, I, I thought he seemed you know fairly assured for somebody that was uh, you know that is sorry as well as inexperienced as he is in the league. Yeah, I mean it was his league debut. Um, his, you know, his first ever uh, football league start, which. Yeah, he didn't look out of place, but then you know he's 23. He has been around. He has done a few bits and bobs, so you, know, you wouldn't expect him to look out of place. Um, bear in mind, our XG was 0.87. Remy's XG was 0.37. So in actual fact, he was the player that probably had had the better, the best opportunities to to win as the game, and I think that was where he hit the post, which was desperately unlucky. Um, yeah, I mean the numbers stack up to him having a decent game. He made six dribbles and was only one was successful. But I think that fans like to see some sort of endeavour. Um, you know, I give him man of the match. I, I I wanted to give him man of the match. Um, mm. I wanted when the game kicked off for Remy Howarth to have a great game because you know he's a story. He's he's, he's such a nice nice. I say they said nice kid there. I mean he's eighteen <laughs> or nine. He's nineteen years younger than me. So but he's a nice lad. You know, bounced back from an injury that could and should have ended his career, went down the non-league route, generated his move to Lincoln himself. Um, but good stories don't win your football games, skill does. And you know, it's his, I think it's only the fourth time he's completed 90 minutes for the Imps. I think he's had, uh, what, three Checker Trade Trophy runouts. He's had four Checker Trade Trophy starts, but obviously one of them was ended with, with injury. Um, but I think in terms of league fixtures, did he play the Bristol Rovers and Sunderland off the top of my head? probably no more than 50 minutes football so for mm. a first full 97 minutes in the football league he did well um and yeah i think fans recognize that i think he was uh, yeah he's definitely an attacking midfielder he's definitely for me not a wide player um but again I, you know we didn't score so none of the attacking players were particularly fantastic um but at the same time he was probably man of the match but he was operating a role that actually I think Anthony Scully probably would be saying, I could do that role. I could do exactly what Remy did um, from that position. But, you know, Scully's the unlucky, versatile man and Remy was the man who seized his chance. Very surprised that he started, though, over Robbie Gotts. Yeah, I think that was that was sort of where I was sort of hoping to get to with it. I, when, when I saw the team sheet come through and so, saw that he was starting, I was... I was genuinely surprised and it's not a slight on him. You know, I'm not saying, Oh, he doesn't deserve to start. I think, you know, to have, to have him come uh, to, to start that game. I think it was, um, obviously it'll give him a bit of a boost. You know, he's going to be, um, he did, he's going to be buzzing. You know, (laughs) he's probably waited his whole life to make his football league debut. But, um, yeah, I think, um, I was quite surprised, and I just wonder if Robbie Gotts is one of those that's that's not in that fifteen that Michael talks about when he says he's got fifteen first team players. Fair. Yeah. Well, it does make you wonder because against Wigan, two shots from Robbie Gotts, one on target. Against Shrewsbury, two shots from Robbie Gotts, one on target. You know, he's he's been, I think, one of our most consistent players 
Mm. Um, since he's been in the side, I think he's looked um, to be growing in stature every week until mm. the Sunderland game. And then against mm. Sunderland, he just completely went off the boil. Um, he only played 22 accurate passes in, in, his, in the entire game, um, which was half of what he did against uh, Shrewsbury. Um, half almost again of what he did against Wigan as well. So, you know, I whether he picked up a knock, I don't know, but it was a dismal outing for Gotts, you know, in, in my opinion. Um, and uh, there was a lot of players that were very bad against Sunderland. Uh, but, you know, if you're talking about Teo Eden being, being poor, Robbie Gotts was poor as well. It, the game passed him by mm. um, in central midfield. It really did, which uh, is a was a, was a, a shame, but. Yeah. There we go. Okay, well it's uh, it's preview time, so we'll look ahead to uh, to Northampton, but we have a guest. So to preview Northampton, uh, we are delighted to be joined by my co-host from the other week, um, Jake. How you doing, mate? Superb. Ben. We've had a great four days, haven't we, as, as Lincoln fans? So um, <laughs> definitely want to be talking about football after after the last couple of days. But yeah, I'm not bad overall. Hope you two are well. Yeah, not too bad. Um, I'm sure Gaz will attest that he's all right when then he starts going on about uh, about Northampton. So I'll I'll leave it to you two guys to to take it away. Sound. Thank you, Ben. Um, but first of all, it's great to have you on, Jake. Um, you do some great video content for us, always talking to opposition fans, and it seemed remiss with you having a little uh, high vis with the Stacey West on the back uh, not to get you on the show but just before we do anything with Northampton can you just explain why you dress up as a builder on video <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well well obviously um I, we did the fan cams after the uh, the games when we could go I think it was the start of last season and I think I realized that not many people knew who I was so uh very fortunately Andy and the fun bus decided to, to drop as a sponsor and, and we got a high vis and, and I, I feel a bit rude not to be wearing the, the brand on on camera so um I think that's probably why I wear it for the most part I think probably what you need to start doing is sitting with your back to the camera so that we can see the <laughs> Stacey West I mean yeah, no, I think you probably, yeah. it yeah. might not it might not help with facial recognition um <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah so so Northampton Town I mean obviously I'll, I'll kick us off you you've spoke to Matt from it's all cobblers um and first and foremost I think that that Northampton are probably going to give us a um a game unlike uh any other that we've had this season it's my understanding they go back to front very quickly um looking through the stats they play fewer than 200 passes in some games um so it tells you that, that when they've got the ball they're looking to to move it quickly um, they tend to kind of have a mishmash of formations as well. You know, I've had a look down in home games that have been 4231, 4321, 442, uh, even 441, I think, after Danny Rose was uh, sent off a few weeks ago as well, which was interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a real clash of styles. I wondered if that's the sort of um, the feeling that you got from, from Matt from It's All Cobblers. Yeah, well, Matt sort of alluded to me that, that Northampton are currently training on the sixth field pitch, which probably is going to start tearing that up a little bit, which is why Northampton has sort of been forced to get, you know, play the hoof ball that, that you spoke about. Um, he sort of told me that, that they're most likely going to line up in a sort of three, five, two with three, def- with, um, three central defenders, Kean Bolger being probably the, the captain of, of that. Um, they're like, yeah, they're, as I said, they like to get it 
front to back really quickly. Um, you know, they get it wide, play the ball in the box. I think we're going to have a lot of a, a very different test to what we've, we've had, you know, at Doncaster and, and teams like that. But um, yeah, it's going to be a, a very difficult game, that's for sure. Um, I mean, obviously, you've touched there on one of the players as well, which, you know, Ben and I often talk about former players coming back to haunt their old clubs. I mean, one player that I think may play is Alan Sheehan. We can't really call him a former player, I don't think, um, with, with what well, he was, but obviously with one game. But Kean Bolger's been a big part for them. I mean, as I understand that he's captain, I, with the greatest respect to Kean, I think he probably is a defender that's more comfortable in a side that plays a slightly more direct style. Um, I mean, that's not criticising him too much. You know, it's, you know, Horses for courses, he's a certain type of defender. Did did they give any indication of how he settled in at Northampton? Yeah, I think I think Matt was was genuinely happy with with um with the signing. I think I don't think he realised that he actually came from Lincoln, which was a bit of a confusing one. But um it seems to, obviously for a player to walk in in the summer and be given the captain, the captain armband, a bit like I suppose what Bridcut's done this year. Um Obviously, he's a big impact off the pitch. I feel like because he's more, he's a very experienced pro, and you know we saw that at, at Lincoln. But I think I definitely agree that he's definitely a, a player that sort of prefers to have you know the balls come up high to him and, and head them away rather than dealing with players sort of on the ground. And we sort of saw how uh, how we dealt with balls on the ground when he was trying to pass out from the back next to Jason Shackle last season and the season before. It didn't seem to go so well. Um, he split opinions with me as well. The people I, I go with, Chris uh, Conrad, and, and then what they seemed to think he was probably player of the season last year, which was a bit of a stretch for me. Um, but he split opinion with us, and he, he certainly seems like he's doing the same down at, at Six Fields as well. See, that's a big shout, actually, because um, Ben and I, I think, spoke about him. Uh, Charlie's in the house. Uh, ben and I spoke about him, and I think, you know, he, I, I thought that maybe he was an outside shout for player of the season as well. Um, but that's interesting that the, the guy from the It's All Cobblers didn't know Kean come from Lincoln. That sounds like Ben researched, doesn't it, Ben? <sighs> <sighs> um, anyway, is what, 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 else, <laughs> <laughs> what, else, what other sort of stuff did you pick up on in your uh, chat? I mean, obviously, people are more than welcome to watch the full video, but you know, you get more of a sense, don't you, when, when you're talking off air as well? Yeah, so... The, the vibes that I got from that was that Keith Curl is under quite a lot of pressure at the minute. Obviously, they've, they've lost back-to-back games. One thing that, that Matt sort of picked up on was when they go a goal behind, they, their heads just seem to drop massively. You know, you, you look at the result on Tuesday against Oxford. They can, Although they were 2-0 down at the time, they can see three, you know, what result, a 2-0 result doesn't look so bad, whereas a 4-0 away defeat sort of looks even worse because they can see the two goals in about three minutes. Um but he also mentioned that, that Kerr's trying to change the style of play at, at Northampton, which I think he might struggle to do, obviously, if they're training on the pitch. Um, he wants to play football. I think Matt used the, the phrase the right way, which is probably something that is quite, uh, you know, it's ambiguous uh, in football, I feel. Um, but yeah, he, he sort of alluded to the fact that Kerr was under a lot of pressure and, and that they don't tend to don't tend to come, you know, come for the, the throat of teams, sort of as you know, you Sunderland, you Sunderland did on um, on Saturday. So um, yeah, they're, they're they're a club in transition. Obviously, they weren't, they've not been great so far this year. Consistently inconsistent is um, another phrase I might use as well, which sort of sums them up as well. Probably similar to us last year, actually. In fact, you know, we were able to get a few more wins than what they have done so far. Yeah, I mean, looking back over their results, to be fair, we've they've only actually scored once in six home games. Um, which is, you know, I mean, thank God fans aren't in the stadium because that, you know, that, that's the sort of thing that we'd get even 
even the most um, calmest of fans kind of frothing at the mouth. But the results always all seem to tend to be against teams who are in and around the relegation spot. So Shrewsbury, when they were struggling, they beat um, they beat Swindon, who were struggling. Obviously Wigan, they beat Burton, who were struggling. Uh, the only win really of note against the team above them is Fleetwood, which was 1-0. And that was their only goal, obviously, in, in, in six home games. Um, and Keon Bolger got it, which is um, quite <laughs> ironic. But, but we kind of talk about this lack of creativity, almost lack of creativity, lack of going in for the kill. But they've actually got some, really, some a couple of what I would consider to be quite special players who maybe are on the wrong side of their career at the moment. But, I mean, Ricky Holmes was at Charlton. I think he was at Sheffield United. He's a player um, I always like the look of. And I likened him a little bit uh, to Bridcut. Now, Bridcut was far more experienced, but he, Ricky Holmes is kind of, you know, he's playing at a higher level. Um, not to any, not to the same sort of level as Bridcut, but he's the sort of person you thought would be an influence behind the the scenes. I think he retired through injury and then came back. And then there's Nicky Adams as well, who I thought was superb for Berry a couple of years ago. And when I delved into it, you know, Nicky Adams has played 13 games this season for um, for Northampton, but he's only played three away from home. I mean, do you think he's scared of, of travel? Well. I mean, I think he, I feel like he's shown up at, at the game at Central Bank from what I can remember. He was outstanding for, for Barry, wasn't he? Um, that year yeah. we both came up. Um, you know, Nicky Adams is sort of the typical player. I think he gets a lot of assists. He lets on the ball. He wasn't perhaps, the, you know, the big name in that, in that Barry team. I think it was Danny Mayer who's now at, at Plymouth and causing teams in this uh, you know league all sorts of problems there. But um, you, know, you touched on a few players there. Obviously, Ricky Holmes played with Sheffield United. Uh, Charlton, I think he was at Oxford for a brief spell as well. My friend Joe seems to tell yeah. me, um, you know, very good player for this sort of level in the whole pulling problems. He could definitely be a, a bit of a miss, especially because we've got obviously McGrandles and and Bricker out. But um, yeah, Nicky Adams is sort of the player that I'm quite scared of, you know, the most. But at the back, they, they seem a little bit short. You know, the three centre halves that they play. Uh, Harryman, who I believe was on trial with us a, maybe a couple of years ago, that was at Wickham. Um, Correct. Yeah, he was. He uh, obviously is a, a player that's got promotion out of League Two, but he's sort of untested at, at League One level. So, you know, they've got a few good players, perhaps with a level above, uh, below rather. They, they might be punching above their weight a little bit, but um, I suppose that's what we all like to see in football teams massively punching away, uh, above their weight, aka Lincoln City at the minute. Yeah. Definitely. The other thing, obviously, is the goal threat, which I mean, we've almost covered that that's more or less non-existent, I think, um, which which means we'll concede three or four. Um, interesting, you're quite right. And Nicky Adams actually created the assist, uh, for created the goal for uh, Kean um, in their 1-0 win against Fleetwood. And I think Fleetwood were the team that binned Kean off, weren't they? So that was probably a bit of sweet mo- a, a bit of mo- a sweet moment rather for him. Um, I hope he doesn't do that again this week. Um, but looking at the attack, I mean, Northampton obviously came up with the goals of uh, Callum Morton and Verdane Oliver, both of who left. So their their goal scoring um, kind of uh, requirements now rest on the shoulders of uh, Danny Rose, who was at Mansfield, who I don't think has settled that quickly. Uh, Harry Smith, who I think scored 26 career goals and he's 25 years old. Um, but he's probably the lump that they're going to try and get the ball forward to. But Benny Ashley Seal, somebody we picked up on, who Lincoln fans might remember scoring four Wolves under 21s in the EFL Trophy as well. Um, did you have kind of have any thoughts on those, Jake? Um, obviously, the goals that they had last year. Obviously, Callum Morton was absolutely amazing for them um, in the sort of the running towards the playoffs, and then eventually that playoff final, which I watched on on Sky, it was outstanding i think and um it was definitely matt was rather disappointed that 
that he chose, well, the West Brom, I suppose, chose that he would come to us. Um, but, you know, in terms of the goal threat, you know, Matt sort of said, you know, like you just said there, that it's pretty non-existent. They don't, you know, they're, they're not, they don't, as I said earlier, they don't go for the throat of teams. They don't have many opportunities in games and they sort of have to rely on, you know, the, the one or two chances that they, that they may make. They don't score many goals. Um, I have a feeling they've scored one of the least amount of goals in, in the division so far, um, which which doesn't surprise me. And, you know, when your two best strikers or, you know, two biggest goal players leave, you know, you just have to see how well the Dane Oliver has adjusted to, to life at Jills. I feel like he's scored a few in, in recent weeks. So, um, you know, they had players that were this, for this level, but they've sort of not replaced them um, as well as they could have, maybe. It's interesting that because in actual fact, they have scored the fewest amount of goals at home this season. They've only scored five. Um, after that, and this is particularly interesting, Rochdale have scored six. And then the next lowest scorers at home are Hull City and Bristol Rovers on eight. I mean, that's mad to be top of the league and have only scored eight home goals. Um, and away from home, Northampton actually have done considerably better. They've scored 11, um, which is quite a bit more than obviously Wigan on four. Um, Hull have scored 21 away from home. I mean, it's utterly ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I think, covered Northampton quite well. I mean, obviously, they're, they're just outside the relegation spots. They Teams below them have got games in hand, which will probably see them drop back in um, after the weekend. Shrewsbury obviously not playing because of Sunderland, but Wigan, oh, Wigan couldn't go above them either, so I've made a mug of myself there. Actually, no, Swindon could win, so fuck it. Um, so what, what your, what's your gut feeling then, Jake, for the game before we say goodbye? Uh, obviously, Northampton have, have been moved into Tier 2, I think, today. So they're going to have a couple of thousand fans there, which, which which might make it difficult for us. But then, you know, you look at that game away at Shrewsbury, admitted the changes that they made and we seem to perform. Um, I can't look past the, an Imps win, really. Um, I sort of said on their podcast that, that the Stacey West sisters would be fuming if I didn't, you know, call for a win for Lincoln um, they're going to make it difficult no doubt about that the pitch probably isn't going to help the way that we play it, it suits them um, you know de- depending on, on on the personnel that, that Michael has you know I watched the um, the highlights on Quest uh, with Appleton the other night and he sort of said we only have 15 fit outfield players which sort of you know ties his hands a little bit but um, I'm confident I feel like we need to you know get off this losing streak that we're on so uh, I've gone for a 2-1 win just about get through with the skin of a tea. I'll take that. Nice one, Jake. Thank you very much for coming on, pal. We really appreciate it. No worries, Gary. Thank you very much for having me on. See you later, dude. Cheers. Oh, Ben's here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thought I was recording somebody else's podcast there. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> so thank you to Jake there for coming on and previewing Northampton um, always always a pleasure to have Jake on uh, whether it's with or without Gaz usually without because it means that they're not ganging up on me but um, yeah you know we're all right um, so yeah, that sound what, what's that Gaz I don't know is it like a there's like a buzzing isn't there or something oh no it's just the tiniest violin in the world playing the saddest song ever why are you the way that you are <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to ask my dad. You know what? <laughs> Genuinely, right? You say that. I don't know if any of them are listening, but I had a really vicious friends group when we were growing up. Um, there was me, my mate Dave, Matty Ward, Dale Rouse and Craig Rouse. And, and we were just awful to each other all the time. Um, we really were. And I think that's why I am the way I am, because I still think that that's normal. <laughs> 
Um, so, okay, right. That's obviously the game's covered. Um, we I think initially we were thinking about discussing a couple of other bits, but I've just realised we are running close to an hour at this point. So is there anything that we needed to, to run through quickly? I know Sunderland's COVID situation was one that we, we spoke briefly about. Yeah, there's, I mean, to be fair, there's probably not an awful lot we can say about that. I, I, I do know that the club are aware of potential threats, um, but it was discussed in the supporters board meeting, which unfortunately um, is uh, is not something that I, I can divulge. Um, at the moment, I don't think that there's any um, imminent threat but i you know the club will be aware of the situation i think it was madness that um they were made to play the game and you know having come off the back of a 4-0 defeat at sunderland and having had my ass kicked uh by um sunderland bloggers uh <laughs> i you know I, I wouldn't normally defend them but the truth is you know they should never have played last night's game with eight players out and yeah. You know, if it's at their training ground and it's so contagious, I can't go and see my dad at Christmas. There's no way that they should have been wrestling each other at corners against Wimbledon. But there we go. Mm-hmm. No, you're 100% right. And it's um, it, it does kind of put a little bit of an air of hypocrisy on some of the uh, the guidance and the, the, the wording that's coming out, particularly from the EFL. You know, that we need to be careful and the fans need to be careful and everybody needs to adhere to as many guidelines as possible. And then... It's like, oh, what, you've got eight players from you? Yeah, 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 go on. You, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's um, It takes the piss a little bit. Um, but actually, there's one thing I just want to very quickly go back to for the Shrewsbury game. And it was one thing that did make me smile on a night that didn't give me a whole lot else to smile about. Alex Palmer coming up for a corner and then clotheslining the opposition goalkeeper was an absolute highlight. Um, it, I, Yeah, I, I had to smile at that. Um not you then, apparently. Sorry, I, do, I, I, I like order um, in my life. And when you start springing surprises, like going back to something we've already covered, I'm, I just... Yeah, you just shut it, down. I, oh, yeah. I, I, to be honest, I was actually just looking at Twitter. Um, so <laughs> Gordon Hobson is putting a meat pie in the oven. So, you know, that's you what go. the modern world delivers. That's what the modern world brings you. You know, 10 years ago, it was my absolute dream just to know uh, where Gordon Hobson was and just to know what he was doing. And now I know what he's having for dinner. So <laughs> and genuinely it was, I, I always wanted to meet Gordon Hobson. He was a hero and I just knew that he was somewhere down South. I now know the village. I know what he's having for dinner and I've spoke to him and all of that's through modern technology. So there you go. You see one week we make a joke about Moses Swaber on the podcast. Next week I'm talking to him live on a video. That was mental. So. That was, yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, that's, Obviously, um, we've been picked to go on telly as well, haven't we? Yes, uh, yeah. The Peterborough game is uh, is being picked for for TV. Um, the club, I think, you said, are working currently behind the scenes to try and figure out what they're going to do in terms of um, allowing season ticket holders to see the game because we won't be allowed in the ground because we're still in tier three. Um, yeah, I follow won't be streaming it, so that'll be an interesting one. Is yeah. there a, what? What is? Do we know what the financial uh, situation is in terms of that game being on TV? I imagine uh, well, there's going to be something. Yeah, local media have suggested that we we get around thirty thousand um, pounds 
um, for being on telly. It was on an article on my site earlier today, if uh, if you read it. Um, no, because I came straight on here after work, Gaz. I don't I don't slack at work. I uh... good answer. That's good. Do you have people from work who listen? Because no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's no really need to say that, is there? Um, yeah. So it's thirty thirty thousand quid. Uh, but that is offset this season by the losses that we will get uh, potentially from not being able to sell iFollow passes. Mm. So bear in mind, you know, if normally we're on Sky, we are also taking money over the turnstiles. And so we, you know, it's a bonus, whereas having Sky means that nobody has to pay for it. So assuming that we use, I don't know the exact numbers, but let's say we, we would have sold 2,000 iFollow passes um in addition to uh season ticket holders that might be ambitious but that's money that we then wouldn't get back so the local media suggested that actually it might only be worth 10 grand to us because we would probably lose twenty thousand pounds worth of of iFollow sales Mm. um and again it depends on what they have to put in place to be able to show it to season ticket holders as well so it's not the financial boost that let's say a lot of the fa cup games were Mm. um it's just the kudos of of Sky Sports looking down the fixtures and going, do you know what, Lincoln versus Peterborough in League One looks like a good game to watch, doesn't it? Mm. That's the kudos. And, you know, it's it's the highest, I keep saying, you know, and I'm really painfully aware of it now. You hate it when something happens like that and you, you pick up on a verbal tick that somebody has and then you, you can't stop hearing it whenever they do, whenever they're talking or they have an interview or something. Yeah. Matt Reed used to do it with yeah definitely every question <laughs> every question you asked him he started with yeah definitely yeah definitely and there's I once counted thirteen. There are, as I say, there's a few in um, in either the current squad or um, people around the team, shall we say? That uh, I'd, I'm not going to say them because I know that when I do, um, you'll not be able to hit, stop hearing them, and then you'll call me a dick. So you know what my my pet hate is. Cool. And the manager says it, so don't tell him because I don't want him to crush my skull uh, like a grapefruit. Um, but it's the worst saying ever is, it's one of them. That's the one. That's it's one, one of them. It's one of them where. Yeah. And and a lot of them say it. Rob Maypiece says it quite a bit as well. It's one of them where, and it's just, I just, oh, every time I hear it, and it, it's not just Michael, it's, it's people across the board. Yeah. Um, it crept into I, my, it's, it's crept into my vocabulary a bit at work as well. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, no, no. And, and the thing is, now I know that I say, you know, you know, you know a lot, which is kind of a, a football thing and kind of is another thing that I say a lot. And I only noticed it. Why, why, why did I have to listen to myself? I had to listen to myself on something. It was an awful experience. I'll never do it again. Hmm. Um, and I noticed all of my little ticks. And after that, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go mute. But then I realised, you know, got to give the people what they want. <laughs> I mean, some people might want you to be mute, mate. It's, you know. Yeah, some. <laughs> I, I hope not all, because we seem to still get quite a few listeners on the, on the podcast. So. Yeah, no, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, so is there anything else that we need to go on uh, and talk about before we head up? Well, we, we kind of just want people to say keep maybe Tuesday the 22nd or next Tuesday as it is uh, potentially free for an hour or so. I mean, this is kind of, this is us um, now doing what we should have done off air, but we're planning on doing another video live show. Are yes. we not? 
we are yes. good i'm pleased that we are on the same page with that uh, <laughs> so we're going to have a bit of a christmas party this is the stacy west christmas party episode 109 uh, we're going to get the video out i'm going to drink beer um while we're filming it i'm sure ben will as well uh, my thought on how it might go is that we might do something like um defining moments of 2020 and we might go from january to december uh, ben and I will both maybe pick three or four to talk about and then you as the listeners will maybe pick a couple as well and we'll get some people on I think Dave Johnson in uh, in the US has already volunteered himself to come on um, mm-hmm. so we obviously we if everybody says George Grant's freak against Peterborough only one person can come on and talk about it and we'll probably only get you know three or four people on max anyway um, but that was my thought so um, you know, if Ben disagrees with any of that, he's, he's going to tell me off air. Doubtless, and change <laughs> our plan. Um, but you know, keep keep that time free if you can. Uh, obviously, you won't be able to go out to real Christmas parties because the Christmas snatcher Boris has taken that away from us all. Um, or COVID has one of the two. Depends which side of the conspiracy theory camp you live on, really. No man, um, Boris is saving Christmas. You yeah, read the headlines. Yeah, it is the time to be jolly, but be jolly careful uh whatever um, but whatever yeah whether we should be like i'm just pleased they're locking london down at last but that's political um so yeah seven o'clock uh seven o'clock we happy with that ben uh yeah why not yeah yeah so seven o'clock next tuesday the 22nd uh live on youtube facebook whatever other platforms tend to be popular with the people who know who aria grande is and ariana ariadne grande i don't know <laughs> the coffee girl Ariola coffee there we yeah, go yeah Ariola isn't that the dark bit around yes, the nipple yes it is okay brilliant <laughs> brilliant so I know that um so uh yeah so we'll be on all your, <laughs> all your usual platforms <laughs> and it'll be worse than this because we'll be drinking as well so oh it's gonna be a good night come and join us uh Stacey West Christmas party you know get a couple of you on and we can talk about good and bad moments from 2020 we'll try and uh we'll try and put some sort of structure in it which is just another thing that we shall have to plan so all good yeah that's the only thing i think we really needed to discuss afterwards no that's absolutely it um right well hopefully uh the ims can turn it around and uh we'll we'll get a result against northampton um it does feel a little bit strange not to be doing not be having a game on tuesday night so um you know that that gives us something to do at least uh next i'll be Tuesday. honest it's bloody wonderful um, <laughs> it is do you know what i'm just so busy at the minute with like my real job and then trying to keep stacy west up to speed and then match day live and then i'm watching every match home and away which you wouldn't normally do and then i'm writing so you know on a game day i don't finish until 10 half 10 writing things up and supporters board and just everything. It's just like, I've got a Tuesday off. What should we do? Let's do a podcast because, you know, I don't want to just sit around in my pants playing computer games. Do I? Heaven forbid. Well, I mean, that. to be fair, that has basically been the rest of my week outside of work. Uh, Poor Rachel. Yeah. Not the writing pants. stuff. Just the, the, well, not necessarily in my pants. Sometimes well, I have my pyjamas on. With your areolas out. <laughs> and on that note, I think it's probably fair that we wrap up for the week. Um... Thank you, guys. We will see you next week. See you at the party. Indeed. Bye. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. 
You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.